take the next couple weeks, the next, this, uh, this month, and kind of navigate through First uh, Timothy. And uh, we're going to start, um, and, and I want to encourage you um, to bring your Bibles. And, um, and I know if, uh, if you're like some of the individuals in my house, we'll say, Dad, what do I need to bring my Bible for? They put it up on the screen. So maybe we need to not put it up on the screen um, for a few weeks. Um, and, uh, and so not saying that we will do that, but uh, let me encourage you to bring your Bible. And, and we'll slow down. I mean, basically for me, um, you know, we'll kind of stay in the book. We're not going to flip all over the place. Uh, but there's something about you reading the Word of God in your hands. This is God's instruction to you. It is personal. It is about himself. And, uh, and so just a, a reminder for that. So we're going to start um, by reading chapter 1. I'm not saying we're going to do this every week, um, but we're going to read through. We have it up on the screen because it, I did it once, and it just was weird that everybody was reading from their own version. So I'll never do that again. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to read through, and here's what we're going to do. We'll do in a rotation. I will read, uh, I will read a verse uh, then we'll have the men read a verse, and men includes anybody who is a boy in here. It's not just those who are 82 years old, okay? Um, and then the third will be uh, ladies, and then I'll pick up, I'll read the next. So we'll go in that rotation. So if there's 20 verses divided by three, you're each reading about seven verses, okay? Um, just to, to make that and so, and again, I think this is another one where, um, you know, the word of God needs to be spoken as well as read. And so, uh, um, and so I think this is just a reminder for us, okay? So I'll read, guys, ladies, and then I'll read and, and we'll go from there, okay? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope. Guys, gals. I got off. I was looking at the time. And I got caught. Now I don't even know what verse I'm on. Verse 4. Nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. Desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions.
the sexually immortal, immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Men? Very good. It's always fun to hear other people read awkward names. Can you imagine if that was your name? Hymenus. So, anyway... Um, so let's, uh, why don't you just take a moment, I'm just going to ask you to uh, just be quiet, be still, take 20 seconds to ask and invite the Lord Jesus Christ to speak to your heart and our hearts uh, this morning. Father, we look forward to see how you, over these next few moments, will answer these prayers. And that's what we want more than anything, to know you more intimately. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have a, a couple pictures for you. I want to start off, but I want to ask uh, you a question. Of these first two pictures, uh, which is... Which is the household? Okay? Which is the household? And so, A. Or B. Second one. I, I put them in order. I helped you. B. B is the household. Very good. Very good. It's, a household is a social unit uh, that lives together, right? It's about relationship. 
It's about people. Okay, and so, um, so the next one, I'm going to show you another picture. Is this the household? Or the next one's not a picture. You've got to turn around and look at each other. Go ahead and turn around. A, B, which is the household? B. B. I didn't have a picture, so I had to settle for turn around and look at each other. I was going to ask Barb to do it last Sunday when she was up here, and I, I, thought, about, I thought about it, um, I think, Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock and said, don't, what do I do now? So, um, so, but this idea of household, and, and this is a theme that, um, that, Tim, or that Paul uh, writes to us. You know, he's talking about the household of God. And I think um, in our culture, we can lose perspective of what the household of God is, what the church is. I'm very intentionally using the word household of God. I mean, we're going to see in a moment, uh, he does use the word church but I think we get off that the household of God is about relationship. It's about our relationship to one another, our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, this book is a personal letter that was written by, um, uh, by Paul, um, the apostle, to Timothy. Timothy was a young man, probably about 40 years old. Um, he was a pastor in a church, uh, the church of Ephesus. And uh, Paul is uh, not close with him right now. And so um, before the days of text messaging and before the days of video chats and all those things, um, they would write letters. And so this letter is the first of two letters that Paul writes to this young pastor um, about the church in Ephesus. And this church in Ephesus was having some problems there were teachers that were contradicting the message that birthed the household of God. And what is the message that birthed the household of God? It's the message of Jesus Christ. He is the head of this household. He has given us life. It's about him. And there were false teachers that needed to be confronted. There were false teachers that needed to be corrected. There were relationships that needed correction. Instruction that needed to be given because this household, this church of Ephesus, wasn't functioning in a healthy manner. And so Paul is writing this letter. And so there is way more in this letter than what we can look at over the next, uh, today and then the next three weeks. And so I would encourage you to be reading along because the truth is, uh, and, and this has been my prayer, that God would use his word to convict this body to help us see, hey, what are the things that we need to be encouraged about that we're doing well, but also where do we need correction? On a church, on a, on a household of God level, but also on an individual level. And what does that look like? And asking that God would uh, help us to see those things. The key verse is, uh, of this book is really over in uh, chapter 3. If you have your Bible, turn over to chapter 3, verse 15. And uh, let me read this verse. And here's what he says. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. So he very intentionally picks that first. And then what does he say? 
which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of the truth. And so this is kind of the, the, the laser focus of what Paul is writing about, that, that what the church is all about, what the household of God is all about. And so he uses this word in, 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 in that verse, pillar. And so, and again, we always have to think in terms of context. You know, I think a lot of times we lose sight of that. But think about the church in Ephesus hearing this letter read for the first time. When they heard that word pillar, what do you think they meant? Let me show you a picture of what they, I'm sure they probably understood. This is the temple of Artemis, which was right there in Ephesus. And so as they're hearing, the church is the pillar and the buttress of the truth in their mind. Keep, that, keep it up there. They're thinking of all the pillars that are holding up the temple of Artemis. And Paul is using this object that they understood what that meant physically. But spiritually speaking, what holds up the message and the truth of the gospel It is the household of God, the living church. That is our focus. That is why we are here in this community. It's not about us as much as it's about Jesus Christ. It's about who he is and what he's done and the the payment that he has made. It's about the truth of the gospel. And that is what Paul is saying here to Timothy. I'm writing to help you get this household of God back healthy. And so that is still true today. Hasn't changed. Hasn't changed. Even though culture has changed, the household of God has not changed. And so we're going to look at that each and every over the next few weeks. And so Paul, uh, turn back to chapter one. Paul starts out here. And again, Um, Paul had a close relationship with this church. And again, you can go back, Acts chapter 20, if you want to go back this week and look at that. Um, You know, Paul spent a lot of time. uh, It was very near and dear to him. Uh, God moved him on. And so now he is is writing for the next generation um, of leaders to... Uh, to carry that on, that the, that, that the household of God there would continue to, to grow and develop and become all that God wants it to become. And so here, Paul, in his introduction, and, and this is what you got to love about Paul, when he met Jesus Christ, it changed everything in his life. It changed where he went. It, it changed his thoughts. It changed how he talked. It changed everything, everything in his life. And we see that in his introduction here. Look what he says. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus are our hope. And so in his introduction, he reaffirms the message of the church. Why are we here? We're here because of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done. The message is about him. That's what we're here and to be about. That's what this dark, lost world needs to hear whether they're willing to accept it or not we need to keep preaching the truth keep sharing it over and over and over and over and over again and so Paul shares that he remembers when he was Saul going in the wrong direction in opposition to Jesus Christ 
But Christ cared enough to confront him. He cared enough to say, Paul, you're misunderstanding the Old Testament. You're misunderstanding that the whole Old Testament was about me. It was pointing to me and me coming and me showing up. And you remember when Paul's life was changed. God even changed his name from Saul to Paul because he had a new identity. His identity wasn't what it was in the past. It was new. And so in verse 2, he, again, and again, one of the things that you see of this letter, it's very personal. It's from these two men that knew each other. And what does is, what is, uh, Paul say here to Timothy? Verse 2, to Timothy, my true child in the faith. This is discipleship. This is, this is Paul walked alongside Timothy. And if you look in some of the other books, Timothy, uh, his, his uh, dad spiritually was not present, you know, in, chapter, uh, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, we're told that his, his uh, grandmother and mother had a, had, a, had a profound spiritual influence in his life. But his dad was not present, at least spiritually speaking. And so one of the things that we see God do is God is the one who redeems he takes the things of this world and he redeems them. And so Paul stepped into Timothy's life as a, as a father figure to walk alongside him and teach him and train him to show him what life was about, what it looked like. And so we, we, we see that here. And the truth is God wants every believer in Jesus Christ to be a spiritual parent. That's the mark of spiritual maturity. It's not just for the ones who are at the top. It wasn't just for the apostle Paul. If you're here and you know Christ, you are to be a spiritual parent. You're to be walking alongside of someone and, and helping them along. You say, well, Steve, I, I don't know much. You know what? Maybe you don't, but I guarantee you know more than someone else. And so find the person that you know more than and help them along to the next step. Well, I can do that. It's that simple. It's that simple. We don't have to know everything. We just have to be willing so Paul is walking alongside Timothy here. Um, last week, I had one of those uh, moments you stick your foot in your mouth. And uh, so um, uh, the, uh, the BRN, uh, the Baptist Resource Network, uh, did a, a special thing for the pastors and families. And so they, down at the, they, um, someone donated money for pastors who wanted to come and their families down to the zoo. And then there was a lunch. And so uh, we get to the lunch, and I meet a guy, um, and his name is Ken. And, and so we start talking, you know, just kind of one of those that I didn't never know who you're going to meet up with. And so I started talking with Ken and, and learning about him. And uh, he lives down towards the airport. He was a church planter and yada, 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 go through all the things. And, and you know, as you're trying to think of questions, I said, well, Ken, tell me about your, your kids. And he said, uh, well, we don't have any kids. And I'm like, oh, that was the wrong question to ask. But he quickly said, we don't have any children. We just could never have any children. But we are spiritual parents to a number of people. And so, um, and so one of the neat things, um, as we were talking, uh, you know, Ken is, uh, actually found out that he's a chaplain with corporate chaplains. And uh, so we had a common ground there. And uh, we're going to, actually, tomorrow we're going to start uh, praying together. You know, once a month maybe or something like that. Um, but the point is, God wants us to be spiritual parents. He 
wants us to help others. And so we see that. Paul is doing that with Timothy. And that's what this whole letter is about. And basically, chapter 1, Paul kind of jumps right in. He, he, he kind of starts with the hard things. And this book is about hard things. You know, um, difficult, you know, things that you don't necessarily want to do. And so uh, he begins talking here about um, uh, false teachers. Look what he says in verse 3. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. And so in this church that was planted, as time went, and this is what happens, people um, within the church started drifting and started saying, you know what, yeah, that Jesus thing is okay, uh, but what about what about fill in the blank? And they were influencing. They were influencing. And Paul starts here by saying, you know what, Timothy? Um, we we, we got we to deal with false teaching and false teachers. They go hand in hand. Because what they say and who they are really go together. And so he's encouraging him that uh, he needs to do something with this. And so he tells us here, you know, um, you know, you might be saying, well, I never saw a false teacher. False teachers don't walk around and say, I want you to know, everybody, I'm a false teacher. Come listen to me. They, they, they're, not, they're, they're more influential than that. They will say things like, you know what, hey, follow my way. And so one of the things that we see characteristics here of, you know, a false teacher, um, and he, he says it, that they, uh, they get off, verse, uh, verse um, 4, um, they, they devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. To put that in translation, they focus on the minutia and the distracting details. Not saying they're not important, but they're missing the big picture of who God is and what God has done. If you think of doctrine like a bullseye, you know, Next week, we're going to go out to Jim's house, and there's going to be all kinds of bullseyes out there, right? You're going to try to aim to hit that bullseye. You want to hit the center part. And you think of doctrine. You know, there are core, there are core, that core ring are essential doctrines. But then there's also the rings go out. And that the further you get from the core things, there are things that, you know what, well, I'm, you know, I'm not going to die over that one. You might be right. I might be right. And so not every doctrine is essential, and so he's challenging here. I, I heard it put this way, that we need to have bullet theology. What does that mean? What areas of theology are you willing to die for? I'm not going to take a bullet for whether the seven days in creation were full days or not days. I'm not taking a bullet for that one, but you know what? And, and I hope, I hope I'm ever faced with renounce the name of Jesus Christ or die, I hope I will say I would rather die. I hope I will say that. I don't know what I'll say. But he's a reason to die. Who Christ is. What he's done. And so Paul in this, he calls out people by name. And again, this kind of goes against our culture. Man, we want to be nice to everybody. And the truth is, you know what? When it comes to false teaching, people that are influencing people in the wrong way, we've got to be 
loving and caring and gracious, but you know what? We cannot tolerate that because people are, are influencing people in the wrong direction. And Paul says that. Look in verse 20, you know, he says, among whom are Hymenus and Alexander. He calls them out. And I'm sure when they're listening to this letter, they knew who these two guys were. And he calls them out. And he doesn't call them out because he wants to shame them. He calls them out because he wants to tell them the truth, but also that the hope is, and that's what you see here, he wants to see them get back on the right track. That they would come back to Christ and they, they, they would get back to where, where they've been. And so these, uh, these false teachers, they were using the Bible. I mean, they didn't really have the Bible in a sense, the way we think of it. But they were using the scriptures. What does it say in verse 7? Desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding. In other words, these false teachers were taking the law. They were taking some of the Old Testament. They were talking about the scriptures in a sense. But what were they doing? They were distorting it. They, they weren't listening and allowing God to speak to people. They were, they were turning it into, well, here's what I want to say. Here's what I want that to say. And that's false teaching. When we don't let God say what God has said, that's when we get off. Well, Steve, it's pretty hard. I get that. But I'd rather hear the truth and it be hard than to hear something that's untrue and it's easy in the moment only to find out the truth will always come out. Maybe not on this side of glory, but the truth will always come come out. Always. And so Paul is telling Timothy, you can't just sit on your hands and be passive. I'm not saying Timothy was doing that, but he was saying, we got to deal with these false teachers. You got to talk to them. And so even in this passage, Paul corrects the, the understanding of the law. And so we don't have time to do it, but I would encourage maybe this week, Look, you know, in, in your quiet time, you know, verses 8, 9, 10, and 11, he, he, he corrects their thinking about the law. What is the purpose of the law? And so he helps them uh, to see that. And so, um, so, so yeah, so Timothy, uh, we, we need to be willing to confront false teachers and false teaching. But the other piece of that, our, that's not our focus. Our focus needs to be the message of the truth, the message of Christ. That's what our focus is, teaching the truth, holding Christ high, talking about who he truly and really is. And he's unique from any other, you know, I'm not equating him, but from any other religious person. Muhammad, Gandhi, Joseph Smith, any of those other ones, not one of them laid down their life and died in the place for sinners when he was completely righteous and died and rose again. Nobody else has done that. Only Jesus Christ has done it. That is the core of our message. That's what we're about. That's why we're here. Because of what Christ has done. And so that's what Paul's encouraging here. He's encouraging to say, you know what, we need to get back to what, be reminded of, of 
what, what God has said, what Christ is about. And so in verse 5, I think the other thing that he said, you know, one of the things that you see, you know, that um, teaching always has fruit. We just finished up a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And so false teachers have fruit in their life. And so part of their, you know, looking at their teaching, also look at what it produces in their life. How do they act? What do they do? And so what Paul holds up here is the truth in verse 5. He says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. See, only Christ-likeness can produce that. Our world talks a lot about love. But the truth is they have no idea what love is. Love is more than just affection towards someone. Love is way more than just feelings towards someone. He tells us here, part of God's love is about a purity of heart. Being, willis, being willing to be honest and to talk about our sin. It's part of the, the message of the gospel. Is that we don't have to act like it's not there. We don't have to hide it. We don't have to make excuses for it. That's what the world does. But if you've been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, you're not defined by your sin. You're defined by Jesus Christ. And there is a purity in love. Love, true love, says no to stuff. Says no to stuff. Gives examples in the next couple of verses here, but love from a pure heart. And so, what is he saying? You know, he's saying that that's what the gospel produces in our life. That's what Christ does in us. And so, what should we see in the household of God? We should see because we're talking about Christ that we should be living Him out. There should be a purity in the way that we relate with one another. And that means that, you know what, when we get it wrong, we're the first one to say, you know what, I got it wrong. I'm sorry. I own that. So love from a pure heart, he says, a good conscience. The second part of verse 5, you know, that's what Christ-likeness produces in us. That's what the church should be different because we have an inward conscience that we are sensitive when we do something wrong, and not just, well, I did something wrong. Well, Jesus paid for that. Oh, well, no. I want to get it. I want to walk with you, Christ. I want to get, walk in your ways. So the fruit of the truth and sound doctrine of, of Christ is a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. It's genuine. It's not manufactured. It's not faked, but a sincere faith. God continues to change me. That's what Paul's saying here to Timothy. He's reminding him. And we need to be reminded. See, Christ's message molds us, transforms us. That's what we're about. That's what the household of God is about, that we're in process. Nobody has arrived and no one will arrive. We are in process 
but our focus is on Christ. And when someone is distract, distracting and taking the attention off of Christ, we can't sit by passively and do nothing. We need to be compelled by Christ to talk about it, to deal with it. So down in verse 15, as we, uh, you know, in a sense, finish up here, verse 15, he, he basically gives, you know, if you want to know what is the, he, he puts the core doctrine um, and the message of the church, the message of the household of God um, in one little sentence here. And he, he uses this, this phrase, verse 15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Let me read it again. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. And so he's describing here what's the core of our message. In a sense, why is Zion Church here in this community, that's why. Because of Christ. Because he's transformed individual people's lives. And we're here because of him. He calls the shots. He has given us grace. And he's given us a grace that we can keep giving to other people and we'll never, ever, ever run out. You'll never be like, oh, you know what? God will say to you, yeah, sorry. We, we, we ran out. Years ago, I worked at, uh, in college, I worked at uh, Pizza Hut. And um, one night, um, I was a server, and one night, for some reason, I don't know what it was, um, our water went out. And so every table, I had to say, well, one thing that we're out of, we're out of water. It was the most awkward weird thing. We're out of water. With God, we will never, ever be out of grace. Ever. Because he's the supply source. He keeps giving. He keeps pursuing. So, and so as we look at ourselves as, a, as, a, as a, the household of God, as we see ourselves as a church here, we need to be focused on sound doctrine, sound teaching. Not just the person up front, but all of us. You know, in our kids' classes and, 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 and life groups and everywhere, the, 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 the message of Christ. And the truth is, as, as I, you know, look at, at the church, we know less and less, and I'm talking about good church. I'm not talking about the churches out there that are just kind of out there. We know less and less about Jesus Christ. We know less and less about this book because we don't have time. We're distracted on all these other things. And Satan loves it. He loves it when we're focused on anything other than Jesus Christ. He loves it. So one of the, you know, as we talk about this, you know, 
part of, you know, Timothy was an elder. He was a pastor. He is responsible, you know, to hold that out. And so one of the things here, just, you know, kind of getting, you know, personal to us as a church, you know, one of the responsibilities of the elder is the protection of our doctrine and our teaching and our teachers. And so about a year ago, um, and I don't even remember exactly what it was, but just kind of thinking about our, our teachers at our various levels and, and uh, one of the things in my conscience started asking some questions and said, you know what, Steve, when have you ever walked our teachers through our doctrinal statement? And in my conscience, I didn't have a good answer. In my walk with the Lord, I didn't have a good answer. I was embarrassed to say, you know what, well, uh, as long as you're in there teaching, you just, you just go get them. It's not good. It wasn't taking responsibility. So a little over a year ago, you know, invited our teachers to, hey, you know, we need to walk through our, our core beliefs. So make sure you understand what they are. And, uh, and so we did that about a, a year ago. And, and some of you that are teachers, you know, were, were part of that as well. And so we probably need to do that again. Um, but just that reminder of, of, are we focusing on the truth? Are we in it or are, are we doing that? And so that kind of gave way even for the elders, you know, to, to wrestle through what is our responsibility? How do we protect the household of faith? And so one of the protections we identified and implemented over the past year is that teachers and leaders not, must be covenant members. Because membership helps clarify our relationship with the household of God and elders. And so let me give you an example of kind of how this played out. I asked I don't even know if Erin's here. Oh, she is here. I did ask her. I'm not using her. I won't use you as an example unless I ask ahead of time. Um, and so a couple months ago, Erin came and said, you know what? Hey, I, I'd like to teach. I'd like to teach our ladies. I'd like to teach um, our kids. And so in the past, when someone would say that, what would Steve say? Go at it. We are glad to have someone. And you know what? If I'm to be honest, you know, I'm impatient. I want to get things done. And so a lot of times I foolishly don't slow down and ask the right and wise questions. And so part of putting protections in place is for us as leaders as well as for the body. And so I said to Aaron, you know what, let's get a time to meet up. She came over to our house and Sarah and I sat down with her and kind of just you know, slowed down enough to say, you know, tell me about your story. How did you come to know Christ? Tell me about when you were baptized. Tell me about your perspective on, you know, some of the core doctrines. And so it gave way to have a good conversation. Good conversation. And so that's, you know, as Paul is talking to Timothy here, how are we protecting ourselves? Because the truth is, Influencers will come in. And we need to stay focused on Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that you find, hopefully, is that the more you walk with Christ, you will notice how people are saying and doing things that are not the truth. If you have a perspective like, well, you know what, every church is the same. Probably, probably not, you need to have some people in your life to kind of walk through and to say, I mean, I can tell you, I'm part of the ministry. I've been here a number, 
Not every church in this town is teaching sound doctrine. I can tell you that. Just because it says church out on the thing doesn't mean they're holding Jesus Christ up high. And so we need to make sure that we are protecting ourselves. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as uh, we sing several of these uh, next songs. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that you have given us the truth. God, you haven't left us here wondering what to say and what to do. And so the question for us is, are we going to respond to you? Are we going to keep holding Jesus Christ high? when we increasingly live in a culture and a people that do not want to hear his name. Father, help us to be vigilant. Father, help us to be courageous. God, help us to have humility. But also, God, that we would unapologetically declare the name of Jesus Christ. God, that's what this community needs. Whether they'll receive it or not, that's what they need. So, Lord Jesus, make us into that household of God. Correct us, show us, teach us. In your name we pray. Amen.
couple more songs to sing here, but before we do, why don't everybody stand up? And we're also going to prepare to pass our